This is episode number 91, Healing Through Storytelling, with Barry Farmer. Welcome, my name is Oleg Lohit, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving your fullest potential. Before we dive into today's episode, I'd like to make a brief announcement and give a shout out to our review of the week, which comes from Mark Guai. Oleg has put together one of the most empowering platforms out there for adopted and foster youth. The podcast is full of real stories of those that overcome odds and events are transformative. As a former speaker at the event in San Diego, I was truly touched by how heartfelt and sincere the gathering was. People came from all different ages and backgrounds and felt safe to share their stories of perseverance. Thank you, Mark, for the kind review. If you want to be featured on our review of the week, go ahead and leave us one on iTunes, Facebook, or Google. Also, if you haven't checked out any of our upcoming events, feel free to do so at overcomingodds.today. These are experiences created by other community members from the Overcoming Odds tribe, where you'll get a chance to not only hear stories from speakers from all over the country, but also be a part of breakthrough sessions which are there to help you share your own story and the things that you are currently going through. Once again, for more information, please go to overcomingodds.today forward slash events. Now, let's get back to our guests. This week's conversation features Barry Farmer, a native of Richmond, Virginia. He grew up in kinship care with his grandmother from the ages of 5 to 18, For the last 15 years, he has been devoted to working inside and outside the classroom with youth and their families. Without further ado, please welcome Barry Farmer. Welcome back to another episode of the Overcoming Odds podcast. Today's guest is someone who I had the pleasure of speaking with last week as I was crossing the Manhattan Bridge <laughs> and um, Barry and I connected a little a little while ago and we had a chance to kind of share a little bit about our stories and our past and I wanted to have him on this show because of his own personal story and the things that he was able to do within his lifetime. Barry, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for the invite. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. Thank you so much for coming on. You know, when you and I first were speaking over the phone and mm-hmm. I was, as I was crossing the bridge and obviously the subway was along the way, so it, was, it kept cutting out. Uh-huh. But the, the thing that interested me the most about your particular story was the different challenges that you had faced during your lifetime, including mm-hmm. becoming, you know, a foster parent, I believe, in your early 20s, correct? Yes. Yes. And so there were a lot of challenges that I'm sure you've encountered along that journey. I can only imagine, I mean, being just just an adult, not a parent yeah. at the age of 20 is already difficult enough. 
and taking out that particular challenge. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the way that I want to start off this episode is I want to ask you the question of who are you and give you the freedom to answer that in whichever way that you wish. Okay, who am I? I'm a kinship care alum, which is another form of foster care. Mm-hmm. I am a father, which is most first and foremost important. I'm a radio personality here in uh, Richmond, Virginia. Um, I'm someone who likes to connect with others. I call I see myself more as a connector. I like to get people in touch with others who can help them um, prosper as well. Um, I'm a motivator. Mm-hmm. I'm a you know, sometimes a game changer. That's <laughs> amazing. So, you know, it's it's a variety of things that all leads back to one thing, which is connecting and mm-hmm. having connections with others. Mm-hmm. What do you think put you on this journey of wanting to connect with others? Because, you know, based on my own personal experience of why mm-hmm. I do what I do, obviously all of it stems back to my past life and being mm-hmm. able to, I think, not only heal different aspects of myself through a lot of this mm-hmm. work, but also help other people heal through similar journeys. Where does this desire of wanting to connect with others really root from for you? Um, It started back um, during my childhood when you want to connect with those who are supposed to be connecting with you, but they're not around. Mm -hmm. And um, growing up with my grandmother, who was the person that um, came in and took me in, um, I've basically been raising myself since I was 12. So, you know, it was more so to the point my grandmother was getting older that it was more so me looking after myself, making sure I'm okay, and um, being responsible for everything that needs to be done. And my grandmother taught me that very well. She told me how to, taught me how to be independent mm-hmm. and how to look out for myself and how to, um, she always said, go out and mingle. And that's all people... Uh, language for go out and connect with others you know learn from everyone make sure you know you don't know it all Uh and you know sometimes as a teenager we do feel like we know it all (laughs) (laughs) so as i got older um i would say from the ages of 12 to about 15 i was a very selfish teenager and you know it was all about me and why not me and being you know putting myself first in the wrong way because I believe you can do that. You can put yourself first in the wrong way. You will try to step over everybody to get what you want. And um, I, I found myself doing that up until about something clicked at around 16 when I'm, I'm, I'm approaching adulthood and I'm not feeling fulfilled and I don't even know what I'm going to do after mm-hmm. high school or anything. It's just getting kind of scary. And then I started volunteering at this after school program that's when I started to mingle, <laughs> per se, and um, just come in contact with different adults. These same adults are the people that taught me as a child that it was the same elementary school that I went to. So connecting with them and getting to know them on a more personal slash professional level and seeing how much they believed in me and how they had been there the whole time that I was I was completely ignoring who they were and their position in my life. And I didn't recognize that until I got to work alongside them in, in, a, in, in a certain capacity. Mm-hmm. So that allowed me to grow and allowed me to see myself as more valuable to others, more so than just to myself. And doing that, it just opened up a range of opportunities. And I just 
I liked the feeling that I was volunteering, giving back all through high school, which led to jobs, which led to other opportunities mm-hmm. to put me in spaces with other people. And that, you know, I don't think that most people realize that you will miss your opportunity to connect by just focusing on yourself. When you give, you receive more in return. Mm. It's so true. It couldn't be more true in regard to that. I've always made myself understand that, especially during times when you face adversity, just start mm-hmm. giving, just start mm-hmm. being a service to someone else. Because just exactly. like I said, you never know the opportunities that may come from that. The hardship yeah. that you might be experiencing can be solved literally through one connection, mm-hmm. you know, which also which makes me think that we're always one connection away from any sort of breakthrough in our That's lives. Right. That's right. And we don't know where that connection may come from, and we don't mm-hmm. know who that person may be. Exactly. But as long as we stay, I think, open-minded, you know, that possibilities are endless. I had two big connections out of outside of my grandmother's house. Mm-hmm. That was my aunt and my third-grade teacher, who also worked at that school that I was talking about. So it was great to see her from a different angle and different perspective. She's no longer someone that teaches me in front of the board mm-hmm. she's someone that teaches me outside for the world so it was very that that particular connection was very important to me it was someone i looked to as a mother figure um a friend a confidant someone who i told my fears to like i am scared to do this <laughs> and they will come back and they will push me back and i'm like don't be scared because you are very farmer Mm-hmm. And, and you are and that's and that's just that and i'm like what does that mean and that and she would tell me that's something for you to figure out so i feel like that as of today i finally figured out who barry farmer is i would i was at a point one time oh like that i didn't even want to i didn't even like my name mm-hmm. i was like Ugh, i think i should change my last name they should change my whole name because i hate saying barry farmer it just sounds so stupid uh-huh. but when you realize that there's only one you, anybody can be named Barry Farmer, but it's the character and the personality that comes with it. And if you're creating that behind your name, then you feel more empowered. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I have so many questions that come to mind. I think the first one is before this, we we're talking about whether or not children can heal and mm-hmm. care. And I, I'm curious to know, based on your own journey, when you were able to connect to ultimately yourself mm-hmm. more mm-hmm. and take ownership of yourself, your name, your character, would you say that how were you able to heal through a lot of your traumatic experiences by doing this? Well, you know, I believe that healing is a choice. You have to choose to heal. Uh-huh. You know, we, we can't be forced to heal. We can't be um, bribed into healing. We can't be rewarded <laughs> into healing. Healing is a choice. I believe that you have a choice to do whatever you want to do. You want to live in misery. That's a choice. You, have to, you, you choose to do that. You choose to bring up everything that brings you misery. You choose, choose to attract yourself to everything that brings you misery. And if you choose to be happy... You will choose to see the bright side of everything. You will mm. choose to see that maybe your adversity taught you more than what it was supposed to, but you really still got the message. It's the choice in it all. And I always, I adamantly believe that. That's beautiful. So I, so I choose to triumph over 
whatever has faced against me, whatever I didn't receive in the past, whatever I felt is owed to me, I choose to let that go and receive whatever is for me right here in the moment. Yeah. No, I couldn't agree with you more. I think the power of choice, it's such a powerful message because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I mean, we do have a choice as Mm -hmm. far as how we view any instance or circumstance that's in front of us Mm -hmm. and how we allow that to impact the remainder of our present, our past, Mm -hmm. and our future selves. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're able to come to this realization, which is the, the next question that came to mind as far as your story and your ownership of it you mentioned the fact that you had a difficult time even saying to yourself that you are dairy farmer (laughs) yeah i mean how how did you come to that point of i I don't know what the instance was of looking yourself in the mirror and saying i love myself as i am Mm -hmm. i accept myself as dairy farmer like what changed in your mind that allowed you to take that step forward and and begin this journey of embracing your uniqueness and your identity? Um, It was a difficult night that I had right after I graduated high school with um, my father, my biological father. And it was something that he said to me. It was a couple of things that he said to me that were just very, very mean. And I had to take a step back, which I really have never talked about this incident before. <laughs> but I had I took a step back, and it was like one of the loneliest moments that I had ever experienced because it's like, who do I call? And it was like, who do I explain this to and how I feel? Do I want to explain uh, how I feel in this moment? And, but when I went back to my room at my grandmother's house and I sat there, on the bed and I thought to myself I said this will be the last time that anybody has the gall to step to you in this way and you know you have done everything possible to be a good person you deserve better than this you did not ask for this but yet you live it therefore your presence is unique your presence should be deserved. And nobody who has the audacity to talk to you like that deserves to be in your presence. Mm-hmm. And I lived from that moment, I was about 19 years old. <laughs> from that moment, I said, You are worth more than this. Mm. What was that lonely moment, if you don't mind me taking you back to that time? That lonely moment was. For me, it was a step into manhood. It was something that says that if you continue to look for people to love you, when are you going to start loving yourself? Who's going to love you when nobody else is around? Who's going to love you when nobody else is around? So why don't you start loving yourself first enough to put yourself in a place where nobody has access to hurt you by you allowing them in you know who to allow in. You know that people who uplift you make you happy. And those who try to tear you down need to stay a distance. Such an important message to pass on to some of the listeners that we have on this show. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we've all experienced those moments where yeah. we've had those adversities or we've had people look at us differently or judge us and compare us. And mm-hmm. I just look at back at my life and, and can pinpoint the times where 
my own self-image and self-worth was -hmm. not as high as it is now and Mm -hmm. you're so you're so right as far as when you were when you're there in that moment who is going to love you more besides yourself and it's not being selfish or anything it's not having an ego it's not having a bunch of yes people around you it's just your worth your who you know if there is no one else around who can do this for you other than yourself yeah what do you tell yourself how do you how do you continue that practice on a daily basis monthly whatever the routine is Mm -hmm. as far as constantly reminding yourself to love yourself and embrace yourself for who you are well you know what I always say to myself, and I tell my sons this as well, I was like, you know, I may not be where I want to be right now. You know, this is not the end, but it's way better than when I came from. It's way <laughs> better than what I experienced. It's way better than the hardest days that I've had, working like a dog every day, two jobs, and trying to make a way for me and the boys. And, you know, it's way, every year, you know, at the end of every year, I do check off the goal list. Oh, yes, I did this, I did that, and I did this, and I'll save this one for next year because I couldn't get to it. But it's, you know, it's it's about growth. It's about patience. And that's mm-hmm. what I always, I've always, from that from that very moment, I was, I'm going to have patience with myself because I know nothing comes quick and nothing has ever come quick for me. And I've always, you know, jumped these mountains slowly. I didn't jump them in one day. I climbed them very slowly until I reach the top and then I make my way down to the other mountain because mm. you can't jump from one mountain to another. Correct. You got to go down that mountain to get up the other mountain. <laughs> so, yeah. and you, cause you get to the top and you look over there like, Oh, I want to go see what's over there. Let me go climb down this one and get on that, on that mountain right there. Yeah. Because you just never know what's at the top of that one. It could be something extra special than the one that you just released. Yeah, I think it's always important to know why you started the thing in the first place. Because mm-hmm. just like you said, once you climb that one mountain, there's going to be a mountain beyond that. And yes. a mountain beyond that. And a mountain beyond right. that. And so just knowing why you started what you're doing in the first place mm-hmm. will be the it will be at the core of it all. And so mm-hmm. every obstacle that you go after, that's you right. know that there's a why that's aligned for you. And it's not the end of the road once you hit that. That's right. That's right. I don't think I ever want to reach the end of the road because that means there's nothing left to do. You always you get to the road and you'll look over and say, oh, there's a side street. Let me walk down that street. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think that's what, you know, what guides us as individuals is the more we get invested into ourselves and our own personal growth, mm-hmm. that's when we ultimately, I think, are able to keep life from being stagnant or boring. And mm-hmm. that is just right. repetitive, one task to another. And I'm a huge advocate for just starting new things, doing new mm-hmm. things, at least one mm-hmm. new thing every day. That's because right. just like you said, you never know where that may lead you. You right. never know where a conversation can take you. Yeah. Because that's how I'm here right now. That's how you know who I am right now. Someone called and said, I heard about your story. And by this time, I'm about six, seven years in and minding my business and, <laughs> you know, no, no, never mentioned myself to the media in any type of way. But they found themselves knocking on my door from a conversation with someone else. And that's how this grows is like, well, I, I could have said no, 
thought, well, maybe there's a message behind this. We are not your average-looking transracial family. Uh-huh. It's not, you rarely see African-Americans taking care of Caucasian children as sons or daughters. So maybe this is something that needs to be seen, not, you know, overly, you know, done, but let me give you the little piece. And this little piece just grew into something big. This was a local piece that grew bigger. And it reached so many people, and it, it changed how people see adoption. Uh-huh. You know, you know, traditionally, you will see that there are white folks adopting black children from Africa and Jamaica and all that other good stuff, but you've never heard of African-Americans the adopting other side. outside of their race. First of all, you rather hear about African-Americans adopting. They really think it's not, hurt, it's not being done, but it is. And then you hear about them adopting outside of their race. Now you're like, wait a minute, what? I never heard of this before. And it's not like I'm the first, because <laughs> I'm definitely not the first. It's just that I brought it to everyone's attention. Now you can recognize it. Now you will see it more. So, and I'm, I guarantee you will see it more. It will not just be the farmer family that you will see from now on. Mm-hmm. Why did you choose to adopt? <sighs> well, to be honest, my intention wasn't to adopt, it was just to foster. I didn't even know that that was an option to mm-hmm. adopt from foster care. Uh, keep in mind, I'm still about 20, 21, <laughs> who knew that I would be a contender to adopt any child at that age. So it was something that I stumbled upon but while fostering. It's not, um, it's not anything that I planned to do this early. I did plan to adopt one day. Who knew what that was going to be? But it wasn't going to be at 22. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, I I just accepted that me and my oldest son, we had that bond. He didn't want to go anywhere. I didn't want him to go anywhere. So we're just going to go in here and we're going to learn together, you know, what adoption is and what it looks like. And there's no turning back. And ten years later, we're still <laughs> we're still a family. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. What have you learned about yourself throughout this whole journey of not only adopting, but I'm sure it has somehow added additional elements to your identity as well. Mm-hmm. How to figure out more about your character, who you are as a person. You know, what are the what are some things that you were able to discover about yourself throughout this whole process? I discovered that I was definitely going to be the father that I always wanted. So that mission was accomplished. I also discovered that I do have a lot of patience (laughs) when it comes to children and behaviors and compassion for them and what they've been through. I I do say that, uh, you know, I don't find myself sympathizing with them. I don't want to have sympathy for them because it's just like, something that they can be, you know, use and feel bad for themselves. I don't want to have sympathy for them. I empathize because I lived it with, you know, the same feelings that they have. Right. But I don't want to give them a sense of sympathy so they can feel loathed when it's time to feel, you know, down. Oh, woe is me. Because if you give them sympathy, then they're like, well, just feel sorry for me and do this and do that. No, you have to learn to triumph. You have to learn to get over you have to learn to move past it. So I've 
really pride myself as a father of not feeling sorry for my children, but also trying to empower them to know that life is hard. You know, some things are not going to work out the way you want them to work out. You're going to have to work a little harder in life to get to where you want to be, whatever that looks like. So me teaching them that, hopefully that will click in for them one day as well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, I always saw the potential in my sons. Any child that I fostered or any child that I worked with, well, um, I used to work in schools for like about 15 years. So (laughs) I've always seen potential in children. Now it's up to them to reach whatever they feel their potential is. It doesn't mean that they're hopeless. It's just that they haven't tapped into what, they know it's true and to overcome so me and uh me being a father in that way hopefully it's everything that they wanted i hope (laughs) whatever success looks like to them i hope they find it i hope they get it um but it definitely has changed me it brought me a lot of joy Mm -hmm. brought me me a lot of stress (laughs) but you know it was it was worth it I feel it was perfect. Mm. It's such an interesting perspective because what I've learned over the years is that, you know, there in certain situations it does become difficult mm-hmm. to parent children, especially those who have gone through some severe traumatic experiences in their lives, mm-hmm. and yet you are able to stand almost on the other side of it and and position yourself in the way of saying, no child is that much of a burden. No mm-hmm. child is meant to be left in a space where they can't be helped, they can't be healed. Mm-hmm. Because it sounds like if it, if we were to summarize everything we just said, everything boils down to a choice. Yes. And you get to make those choices along the way. Mm-hmm. So we, as as everyone on this planet, we all have an ability to heal. We all mm-hmm. have an ability to grow. We yeah. all have an ability to be an encouragement and motivation mm-hmm. to one another. That's right. And we, what we need to understand about our choices, and this is one thing I've always said to myself, to my children, is, you know, you always have a choice, but you will never be able to choose the consequences. Mm. So once you make this choice, whatever you feel is best, and it doesn't work out, you have to deal with the consequences. You have to live with it. Yeah, you have to live with it, own it. Grow from it. Don't give up because it didn't work out. It just hit you a little harder than you thought it was going to hit you. <laughs> As it always <laughs> like, does. As it always does. You got to stumble and you be like, okay, well, I shouldn't have did that. Should have listened to such and such. Should have listened to that and moved up, but I didn't. So now I got to deal with it. Because where, where, where am I going to be? Who am I? I'm not going to be here forever. I can't clean up all of your messes for you. You know, you have to learn to take it on the chin, clean it up. And move past it. Uh-huh. Final thought for today's episode, and this is a question that I ask all of our guests that come on, and that is who or what are you grateful for today? Ooh. Well, what I'm grateful for today is a mindset that allows me to continue to grow. Um, I'm grateful for clarity. I'm grateful for my family that uh, has accidentally built itself (laughs) uh you know that i i am grateful for life right now it it could have been very very worse but i made i'm grateful for choices so (laughs) i'm grateful that i made a choice to not 
let the past affect me to the point where I can no longer function. Mm. So, yeah, I'm definitely grateful for the mindset that I have today. Mm-hmm. Barry, how do people find you and what are some of the things that you have coming up that people can possibly be a part of? Okay, so you can always find me on social media. You can find me on Facebook at I am Barry Farmer, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at I am Barry Farmer. Um, you can visit my website on BarryFarmer.com, www.BarryFarmer.com, and you can get a glimpse into what I do. Um, you can listen to my radio show on OurDigitalRadio.com. That's OurDigitalRadio.com. Um, it's a regular morning show. We just goof off a lot, play some music. <laughs> um, but you can catch that right now on Wednesdays at 10.30. And soon you can catch it every day on our digital radio at 10 a.m. So, I mean, that's the best way to keep in contact with me. And you can always email me your questions and whatnot at um, barryrva at gmail.com. So that's all the great places you can find me. I also have an event coming up um, mm-hmm. November the 17th called Eating with Care Social. So we're going to take um, that event and make it a social networking event where you can pass your business cards around and chit-chat and eat some great food. I'll be probably doing a few segments for the morning show there. And um portion of the proceeds will be going to children in foster care waiting adoptions. We're going to be granting some wishes for them. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. And like I said before, thank you for connecting to begin with. For those that are listening, the stories that I connected with Barry through Facebook, just like he mentioned, and who knew what it was going to turn into from that initial connection. So I'm grateful for you and I'm grateful for the ability to have this conversation that started from a single message. And Mm -hmm. you never know what's going to happen unless you ask. That's right. Thank you all for listening to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. If you haven't done so already, feel free to subscribe to our monthly newsletter so you can receive all of the latest episodes, featured stand-up and speak-up stories, and ways you can be involved with Overcoming Odds. Once again... Thank you for listening, and we'll look forward to having you next week. Thank you